The Paso County DEC is providing this podcast as a public service in order to let you know more about the issues and ideas which Democrats have identified as being very important for voters and also to provide a forum for Democratic candidates for office. Our podcasts are open to anyone interested in how Pasco Democrats are dealing with the important issues of the day. You can check out our PascoDems.com website and also on Facebook, Pasco Dems, and the views expressed by the guest and host on our podcast are their own. And not the official views of the Pasco County Democratic Party or Democratic Executive Committee. Today we're talking with Beverly Ledbetter, who has uh, quite an experienced uh, person here in Pasco County. In fact, one of the most important things to know about Beverly is that for a lot of us, in uh, whether it's education or political things, there is an expression called, oh, I don't know, but ask Beverly. The chances are you'll get an answer. Her political and professional and educational background, coupled with religious and civic and membership uh, in various civic uh, organizations, having been a soccer coach, and chair of Pasco High School uh, uh, Social Studies. She's and received several awards. Uh, one just last week, what, the Legacy Award, I think it was. And anyway, she's got quite a, quite a background. And what I'm going to do is to start off, first of all, uh, Beverly, we'll, we'll get to the amendments in a moment. Let's just start off with a, an easy question, which is, from your point of view, what are the most important Pasco County um, issues that Democrats should be concerned about right now? In Pasco County, as well as the state of Florida and the nation, I think the biggest issue is inflation and the high price of everyday living goods for the people in Pasco County. I think that's the number one issue that needs to be addressed. Number two, particularly in our area in East Pasco County, and I'm sure over in West Side as well, but affordable housing, uh, that's a major issue. And thirdly, I think the other issue that's most important is insurance, uh, particularly home insurance. That seems to be a real problem with uh, many of the insurance companies leaving the state of Florida, many of people being dumped into citizens and having to jump through a lot of hoops. I've spoken to a lot of people that that's a real concern for. Mm-hmm. What do you think now? You've been involved with Pasco County Democrats for a lot of years now, both you and Michael. Um what what can Pasco Democrats do in the next month to get things really going our way? I think the most important thing that we need to do is that we need to own the good things that Democrats have done. And we need to get that message out to voters that Democrats care and Democrats deliver that we are interested in pocketbook issues, not cultural war issues, that we are interested in protecting the rights of people, that we are interested in protecting democracy, and that we are interested in their family, their family's health decisions, and making sure that they can put food on the table, have a roof over their head. Okay. I think those are the issues that we need to really stress. And now that we've got some of those, those issues identified, and I suspect that uh, a lot of us can would certainly agree with that, what can we do as Democrats? 
I think that we need to have a consistent message. All the candidates who are running need to hit those particular points and, and make sure that people understand. If there's a consistent message, that's going to be the key. So I think that um, in the past, we put billboards out. I think that's important to do. I think our phone banking of reaching out to those everyday voters is important to do and explaining and being visible in the community. Because how many times do we hear, oh, I didn't know there were Democrats in Pasco County. Yes, there are a lot of Democrats in Pasco County. And so I think being visible and not being afraid. You know, I think that's the key thing here, Cal, is that Democrats do not like to offend people. Put those stickers on your car. Put a sign in your yard if you can. And if you can't, put a a sign for a candidate and use it as your sunscreen in your, your car. But don't be afraid to be identified as a Democrat. I think that's the thing that we can do. Yeah, that's very interesting because you bring that up because I think very often a lot of Democrats are simply afraid of Republicans who seem to own so much and uh, always seem to have an answer for for absolutely everything. And yet when you really nail them down to getting down to the nitty-gritty of questions, they're no better off than, uh, than anybody else when it comes to answers. In fact, they're usually worse off and so forth. Okay, uh, let's do this now. Uh, not being afraid is good. And I think a lot of the things you've talked about, I think we're trying to do um, now. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Pasco uh, Education Caucus, uh, what you're doing there, what's happening, and what's uh, what. Uh, how important is that for Pasco Democrats? You know, we're the new kids on the block, Pasco Democratic Public Education Caucus. Not only are we the new kids on the block, but also our state caucus is the new kids on the block. And I'm very proud of the work that we have done. Uh, We were the only state caucus that went nine for nine for all of the cabinet officers, Mm -hmm. uh, including the governor. Uh, We were able to, throughout the state, elect um, 12 school board candidates outright and send 16 into a runoff. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of what we did in Pasco County. We propelled James Washington into the November ballot. I think that was important. Our caucus, the Democratic Public Education Caucus, has been visible. We've been at school board meetings. Every school board meeting, we have people that are there. Uh, you were there at the last school board meeting wearing your purple shirt. I didn't know you had a purple shirt. <laughs> wearing a purple shirt. Uh, so we were visible. We helped, you know, one of our members helped coordinate that to stand up for the safe zone uh places in our school and standing up for those kids who are bullied in our school, particularly the LGBTQ plus community. So I think that's what we are doing. We're also working very hard. We have people on committees. We have people who are on the um, school advisory committees. We have people who are now part of the Citizens Academy that the school board runs. So we're out visible, making connections in the community and bringing forth the issues of public education and being a voice for sanity in our Mm -hmm. school system. Uh, um, Before we get to talk about James Washington for just a moment, I would mention that if it were 30 years ago, I had a purple Porsche a 77911S, and it was a deep, deep purple. So I would have driven that. 
but <laughs> that sold that a long time ago. Let's talk about James Washington for a moment because he's clearly, I think, why is it important to get him elected? And Democrats who are listening to us, why should they go out and try to pump, push for James Washington to be elected to the uh, uh, to the school board? James is an active school teacher. He's been in the system for a very long time. He understands the ins and outs. He's seen the, the whims and fancies of the, the district policies and how a district policy will come in. It'll be there for a few years. You get everybody trained, and then we're off to the next greatest and, and most important thing that they consider the new project. So he could bring consistency, and he could bring the view of teachers. But more importantly, on our board, he's the father of a student who is in our school system. Mm -hmm. And that's something that hasn't been on our board in a long time, and that is the voice of a parent mm -hmm. and a voice of a father. And I think yeah. that's important, too, because now when we're talking about parental rights, a parent of a student would be on that board to mm -hmm. bring forth their particular concerns. Mm -hmm. And additionally, he has a heart for this community. He's been involved in many of the programs to bring needed materials to to our um, economically disadvantaged students. And also he is a proponent for the LGBTQ plus community. Okay, now I'm going to ask you another question. Uh, you've achieved a lot in the last 47 years. And uh, one of the main things is being a Democrat and all the things you've done for Pasco County Democrats. I'm going to ask you this. Why are you a Democrat? I'm a Democrat because I was raised that workers were important and workers should have a voice in their working conditions. And Democrats... Are, is the party that supports workers. And so that was very important to me. And one of the very first things I did when I became a teacher was join the union, which was a fledgling union, union at that period of time. Mm -hmm. I'm also a Democrat, and I guess I'm, I'm very proud now to be a Democrat because we are the party of democracy. We believe in the right to vote for all people. We believe in making... Um, we believe in a two-party system, and I think that's, in a way, I think that's kind of bit us a couple of times when we try to work with MAGA Republicans who will not compromise. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our country was founded on compromise. Mm -hmm. Think about all the compromises that went into getting the Declaration of Independence, getting the Constitution. That's the foundation of our country. And I think that what we're seeing now is a small group of people who are trying to impose their views on the majority. And we're all, we're really having, if you look at the Congress today, it's the rule of the minority. That filibuster has got to go. Yes. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's not how our, our government was supposed to work. And I think that Democrats believe in America. We believe in the democratic process. We believe in voting. We believe in local control. Uh, and that's why I'm very proud to say that I'm a Democrat. 
Okay, and that leads us right into something I know you're quite interested in and always have a good deal of information about in terms of the legislative uh, situation here in Florida and uh, education and so forth. So let's spend a few minutes about this. Uh, what do you want to tell us about the amendments and that sort of thing that we should be concerned about? Well, one more time, the amendments, it looks like you're voting for something. When you read the amendment very carefully, the idea is there, but the power to actually create and enact that amendment lies with the Republican legislature. And we all know the fiasco of the class size amendment that we voted for. People thought they were voting yep. that class sizes would be limited. We also know the fiasco when it came to giving ex-cons uh, returning citizens their right to vote. We know what happened with that. Mm -hmm. We thought we were giving it to them, but it was the legislature who had to come up with the laws to enact it. It's the very same thing with the three amendments that we have now. All three of the amendments that will be up for consideration were proposed by the Florida legislature, the Republican Florida legislature. Mm -hmm. So that already gives you a little clue here. Yeah. So uh, what are those them. three again? Pardon? What are the three amendments? The three amendments? Uh, the first one uh, is a limit on increased property assessments for flood improvements. So mm -hmm. if you uh, do something to protect your homes from flood damage, you would be exempt from higher assessments. However, when you actually read, that sounds like a really good thing, but when you actually read it, it allows the legislature to come up with the rules and how this will be enacted. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the first one. Okay, and the second one? The second one is to abolish the State Constitution Revision Commission. You know, they meet every 20 years, so they will not meet again until, let me see, 2037. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the, the group of people who look at our Constitution take out things that are obsolete, change the language to make it more attuned for, you know, the time that we live in. And they also can um, give us constitutional amendments to look at as well. The last one was in like 17. And what they did is I think there were four amendments that they placed on the Constitution. They want to... Uh, to, to do away with the um, State Constitutional Revision Commission and leave it totally up to them to decide what is and what is not in the Constitution. <laughs> right. I get really nervous when it gets down to the point when you've got four or five or six, ten people uh, and they're making decisions for several million people. And uh, I think most of us don't have a great deal of, of, uh, of confidence in the ability of our current state legislature to come up with anything that's really... <laughs> that good or that accurate. What's the third one, Bev? The third one is the one that I think is really going to be problematic because the third one, uh, the brief summary is, is that uh, there would be a new homestead exemption up to $50,000 for certain public service employees. Uh, so this would exempt uh, if, if it's your primary residence, it would exempt give you an, an additional fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. However, one more time, it's the legislature 
who would enact this and make the laws about it. So right now, what it does, it is taking the homestead property owned by law enforcement, uh, correctional officers, firefighters, uh, emergency medical technicians, paramedics, child welfare professionals, active duty, uh, military, and Florida National Guard, and classroom teachers. Right. And, and that's problematic. And why is that? Well, the whole thing is problematic, okay. <laughs> first yeah. off. But yeah. having classroom teachers, that would exempt anyone who is not classified as a classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. And a classroom teacher is the primary deliverer of information to students right. as defined by the Florida legislature. Right. Reading specialists, no. Math special coaches, no. Librarians, media specialists, tech specialists, no. Guidance counselors, no. Social workers, no. School psychologists, no. Uh, people who do OT and physical therapy in the schools, no. And then how do you enforce this? So I teach for a year and then I'm out of the system. <laughs> My taxes go up. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're a firefighter, if you're an administrator as a firefighter, you're still a firefighter. If you're an administrator as a school um, employee, you're no longer a classroom teacher. Right. right. So, you know, and all of your school related personnel who are the lowest paid, they are exempt from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So I think people are going to look at it and they're going to think that, you know, they're helping everybody, but also, we're going to lose money in this, you know? Now, I don't know if there's anything else you want to talk about before we end. I have one final question in a moment, but is there anything so far that we haven't covered that you want to kind of make sure we have mentioned in terms of uh, the listeners? We've covered amendments and things like that. I just think that every Democrat needs to step up. We have social media post things and the reasons why you're voting for the candidate that you're voting. Mm -hmm. Yes, you may have some people who will naysay, but you're getting your view out. We all have a sphere of influence, people that we can influence. There may be people who are iffy, and if you state your reasons why you're voting for someone, you can make a difference. And I think that's the key, is that each individual can make a difference, and we need to stand up. Go to the Facebook page of the Democratic Party. Go to the candidate's Facebook page. Like them. Repost. That Mm -hmm. takes no time whatsoever to repost. Talk to your neighbors about why you're voting for the candidates. We need to understand that we have a role to play and how important that is. Right. Now, we're coming up on a half century of your service and leadership, Beverly. When I ask you this final question, what have you learned about human beings in these last 47 years? I have learned to appreciate the absurd. <laughs> As a school teacher, we know that some things that come down the pike are just absurd. And I have learned that the best way to deal with life and the best way to deal with people is to have a sense of humor about you and look for, I hate to say kind of Pollyanna, but if you look for the best, when I started school, 
my my aunt Joyce gave me a book. It was called Jenny's First Secret. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited to have a real book, a hardcover book with a cover. Mm-hmm. I was excited. But the end of the story is really kind of my motto, and that is look, open your heart, open your mind, look for the best, and that's what you'll find. And that was Jenny's first secret. And I remember that from being seven years old, learning to read. I remember that. And that's kind of my philosophy of life. Right. Well, that's that's a great way to end. That was a very... Uh... A very good lesson for all of us, obviously, to learn. Bev, thanks so much uh, for your time. Uh, if there's anything that happens in the next three weeks or so, let me know. We can always put you on again. But thanks again for today, and thanks uh, for all that you've done for us. Uh, Thank you. It's been my pleasure to serve. Okay. Service to life. That's the best work. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.